Welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodically Feeling Bad About Things You Said a Year Ago podcast. Because uh, I, I feel bad now, Tommy, because for the longest time last year and the start of this year, I said the Panthers actually had good injury luck. I shouldn't have said that. It's not the broadcaster jinx. The broadcaster jinx doesn't exist. I have many friends that will tell me that. But uh, I did feel like I kind of jinxed it by saying they had good injury luck because now they don't. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's just plain old uh, regular jinx. Uh, I don't know about broadcaster jinx. But, you know, last podcast I was on here saying that this is one of the only times I'd advocate for aggressively looking at at, at options at a trade deadline and moving first round picks and things like that. So I, I feel like I could have jinxed it too. I mean, and now it's, everything's changed. Um, it, it has changed a lot. I, I do want to start by saying, firstly, uh, Aaron Ekblad, I feel so bad for him personally because dude was playing obviously Norris caliber great this year. He's been awesome. And we remember what happened that year when he suffered all the concussions at the World Cup of Hockey and how long it took him to get right again. And he's worked so hard every year to get better, and then this happens. Just a complete freak accident. There's nothing he could have done about it, and it sucks. I mean, and as, yeah. much, as, as much as I dislike Keith Yandel, and I do dislike Keith Yandel a bit, I thought he was crying when the camera panned to him on Sunday night because he, he was Whoa. broken. I thought a lot of people yeah. on that bench were broken. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it's hockey's an unfair sport. Life is unfair. Luck is, by nature, unfair. Uh, you know, Keith Yandel has avoided those types of injuries all most of his career, um, part out of luck and part from avoiding going in the corners and stuff as hard as Aaron Eckblad does or Vincent Trocek does. But yeah, that is I, I got a, a flashbacks to that Vincent Trocek injury. You I, know, I got yeah, flashbacks it, to that. And it is that's when as someone who's played hockey and who has I have a scar in the side of my hip from when a stick went into the boards and broke and the broken end of the bottom stick went into my side. Uh, I've you know, there's I've seen a lot of times you get caught rivets on the boards and your legs or your ankles tweak and sometimes it's just a sprain. But a lot of times like you see a teammate do that in practice and you wince and like all your muscles like get real tight and like retract and stuff because you know what that feeling's like and you know how you know it's all about how your body weight falls on that in that moment of gravity you know what i mean and it's it's a lot it's it could go so many different ways and it could have been worse for Ekblad. It's still pretty bad. I mean, we were I just mean, he talking. He broke his about... leg. I mean, that's pretty terrible. But when I right. and I and I hate injury speculation. But somebody mentioned, and this might be an an in, an in reference for some of you. But he, somebody mentioned Mackenzie Milton, the UCF quarterback, that had a horrible knee injury when he was playing a game, and it's been two years since he's played. I mean, his I think his knee broke, tore ACL, MCL. I don't remember the exact specifics of an injury, but it was really really bad. And somebody mentioned that, and I went like. Because I remember hearing that injury. A friend of mine was calling that game. And it was like, my, I convulsed a little because it was like, that, that would, it, a lot of injuries suck. But that was one of the most terrifying things I've seen in a long time. Because, you know, there's like 5,000 people in the building. So it's not like you can hear the din of a full arena. And it's not like it was empty. So it was like you heard a low chatter going right. on in the midst of all that. It was super eerie. It was one of the eeriest things I've seen. I felt, and again, I feel terrible for Eric, but thankfully the surgery went well. Um, and yeah, the stories I, were great I, about that, too. So. I, I hate speculating on injuries. I'll speculate on man, hockey ops kind of stuff all yes. you want. I'll sit in a bar or I'll sit anywhere and drink coffee or tea or whatever and, and just hang out and talk shop like that all day, throwing stuff at the wall. I won't charge money for it uh, or anything like that because that's that's Eklund stuff. But other than that, you know, um, I, I don't – with injuries, it's like I don't want to put any expectations or pressure on the player or the team other than when he, the when it's healed, mm-hmm. when, it, when it's safe and when everything's tested and vetted. So, like, right now, my expectations are this year and – half of next year i'm just gonna and if and whatever they say what i'll just listen to the team doctors but i mean we've already seen uh how many times on twitter 
people just throwing videos with doctors reacting to the video saying Ooh. this is what they think or I like oh because he flew in a that. plane with the team these things are crossed off and it turned out that some of the things that they thought were crossed off you know like the fracture is actually what he sustained so i mean it just goes to show that even what you don't even think is speculation like oh well this is like kind of basic facts that we can kind of rule out because of these things it's still all assumed it's still all putting pieces together and there's no net value of doing that the only benefit is to quiet your anxious mind and and i understand the need to do it but i don't i mean for better or for worse social media just like heightens everybody's emotions about that stuff but just like tell it to yourself or just think to yourself but like don't go like posting all that stuff online and definitely stop in my mentions at <laughs> yes please oh, stop boy. in the why hockey really, mentions doing people that. really you know the, i'm wearing a shirt that says like please don't talk about Aaron Eckblad's injury, please. He stop. would definitely it, make a shirt like that. Would, I, I, appro- I, I applaud him for it. Talking to me about it, and it's like <laughs> the shirt answers a lot of the questions. People yes. Are asking me right can now. I can I say that I remember when this happened with Dak Prescott, and everyone was watching him get hurt, and the speculation was terrible. I hate yeah. that on Twitter. It is. I awful. mean, and they said twelve weeks or whatever. I expect more. Just in your mind, just pretend it's like fifteen weeks or twenty weeks or whatever you got to do. So you're not putting pressure or you're not sitting on a clock waiting for Ekblad to come back. Um, yeah. And just accept it. And here's There's the other part. You that, and, you mentioned it. It, and you mentioned it exactly. Um, I saw people mentioning, hey, it's 12 weeks. The Panthers could still be playing in 12 weeks in the Stanley Cup final. No. Let's stop with that. And I mentioned Vincent Trocek's injury. Um, 12 weeks is when maybe he can start training fully or even training at all. So it's he's not going to be anywhere ready to be drop, jumping into wherever they would be in the playoffs at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's, that's not possible. If Aaron Ekblad plays opening night next season, you should consider it somewhat of a miracle. That's what I, mean, I yeah. say. That's what I say. Because that be would like be a, six months I mean, from now. It's gonna, I'm just treating it like I treated Nolan Patrick's. Uh, migraine and and you know neck and head whatever it was uh all that stuff um it's kind of an unknown like and you just hope that it it happens at some point and when it does uh you know he can be the best player that he can be at that moment and and that's all you can really ask and I for think the, and i think the good news is is that i think that's how the panthers operate now like I, I don't think that they're. I don't rush think that any... they're going to be pressuring Nick Bugstad to play in the playoffs despite a concussion. Yes. Yeah, or or Vincent Trocheck coming back after he broke his ankle less than eight weeks after it happened, and it took him at least a year to get right again, and that was a bad well, call. I, I hope, but I'm operating under the assumption that they haven't, and we'll see because you know Ekblad's already been a victim a victim of them. And that type of thinking. Oh, yeah. The, and the management of those concussions that one year was awful. And thankfully, that management is no longer here. So oh. I, I will say that I feel terrible for him, and I wish him, and we all wish him, of course, the best of luck in recovery. So you mentioned something interesting that I think we should spend a good amount and, of time and just, talking about. And, and I just want to lament one thing. Um, and this is both, this is bittersweet. This is a positive and, and possibly a negative. The ne- and the possible negative is he did so much work and his footwork was really coming together. And I just hope that this doesn't undo all that work or, you know, make it harder for him to have that high level of footwork that you, he needs to have a Norris type year. Um, but the good news is the, that type of work, that type of growth he's already shown is a reason to think that he could bounce back and still be a top pairing D when he is fully healthy at question mark date. I was again, it was just the impressive nature of his game was that he got better every year and you found a way for him to take that next step every single year. There was something he improved on dramatically. He talked about his footwork. I think the ability to read the game, the ability to be assertive yeah. while still, you know, doing all the things that he was so good at. You know, and I hope that all of these things yeah, are things and, he can still do. And, and I don't think he was a true Norris-level defender, but I think he was growing into that, and he was having a Norris-type season based on 
everything the metrics so, the, the yeah so everything i mean i it, it'd be nice to i don't know i don't know what florida does now but i can tell you one thing if i were zito and i'm glad i'm not because this is a really tough position to be you have to really walk a tightrope with ownership and your team you want to reward the room for the year they have and not just throw in the towel and you want to make sure that they have a defenseman, they have a little more firepower up front to to really go into the playoffs. Um, but how do you do that? And, and how do you do that with what I think is the most important thing now is everything goes in the next year. That that you have that has to be your big blowout year, and you have to hope that you get the similar amount of health luck, and it just works out a little better. But mm-hmm. until this year. I mean, until, you know, Ekblad and Barkov and Hornquist went down, Florida was having a string of very, very good luck. Um, I mean, last year, Bobrovsky's minor injury was the only injury they really had. That was it. Yeah, and and that continued all the way through. And it continued until until Barkov suddenly didn't take warm-up one or couldn't play after warm-up. Yeah, and and obviously some of that's bandaged over by guys like Barkov and whatever playing when they're hurt. But I mean, there's a every hockey player knows there's a difference between hurt and injury, and obviously there are teams and players that take it too far and think a lot of injuries are and, hurt. I mean, but. we we talk in this division, of course, with Chicago's had to deal with, what Dallas has had to deal with with injuries. Yeah, it's been a lot worse than the Panthers have had, and of course, the Lightning <laughs> yeah. have not had Kucherov all our season. It hasn't meant anything to them, but they're another level of good. Right, and and that's what Zito has to be looking to get closer to i mean obviously he has one off season to do it but next year is the big throw everything at the wall year because after next year you can negotiate with huberto and barkov's going to be a ufa mm-hmm. and so I mean, everything well, and even, everything even next if they year, both come back and i and i still believe they both will this is the last year you have them next year on both extremely team-friendly right. contracts because so the bills come every, and do everything's got to be put in the next year. So whatever you do from this moment forward has to also, if it helps them this year, that's great. And they should be looking for that. But it also, they can't be spending chips for something that hurts them next year. And what I mean by that is it either doesn't help for next year. And that's just a waste of you're spending assets on something that you need to be spending assets on next year. Or, you know, it's something that'll help you this year, but you actually have term commitment to next year and it kind of weighs down. We'll get into Shane Gottespair a, a little later. And while I'm open to the idea, there is also the fear that it would hurt you in not this year. Mm-hmm. Outside of this year, it would maybe start to be a drag and they have a so we'll get to that, but yeah, we'll get to Shane Goss despair in a second. Yeah, I don't know if you if you want to jump in, but I, I, mean, I, I want to talk about I'm what the what the Panthers yeah. need to be doing now. And you mentioned how difficult this is for Bill Zito because it's not like this is a bubble team that's getting hot and then has a bad injury and then it goes wrong again. This is a team that's going to make the playoffs. There's there's I I heard a comment yesterday on NHL Network Radio, and it was in one interview, and I was very very mad at this. It was talking about the stars vis-a-vis fantasy and talking about how they need to compete to get in the playoffs. And they mentioned, oh, Aaron Eckblad got hurt. The Panthers could fall out. No, they're not. It would take, again, the entire team would have to basically get hurt, and we're already seeing terrible injury I, luck. But they're uh, 11 points up on Nashville and Chicago with a game in hand. They're not missing. I don't, I don't think that – I don't know how I feel about that mentality in a year where you only play each other. Yeah. There's no outside division. I don't think we truly – Unless I don't, unless we're ineffective math, I don't think we really have or Dom or Money Puck, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think we really have the brain capacity to really think about how quickly those points can be lost, um, especially if you, especially if if, especially if the games are dropped, won and lost in the right way. Uh, across the board for a couple different teams, it's it's possible. I mean, and it's definitely possible that they could fall from three to four, which might as well be missing the playoffs if you were going to a Kucherov added Tampa Bay team in the yeah, first round, they, they and you don't have Carolina as that first. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, 
you don't want to yeah i mean so you really you really want to and the optics of going into the playoffs from dropping i mean the the type of down the stretch play you would have to have to go to lose all those games and still make the playoffs you're not going in the playoffs on your best footing so i mean there's a lot of reasons why i'm i'm apt to just completely be to to say it's it's possible to miss the playoffs it's possible to fall out of the third seed it's possible to miss the playoffs and is that okay it, what what are we what's the what are we willing to spend to make sure that doesn't happen or to better prepare ourselves for the playoffs this year and what aren't we willing to spend and what is it and if things get on a bad rut after the trade deadline we just have to ride it out and that's okay so you know let's like go there's, into that let's yeah. go into this interest it's such an interesting discussion because i can't I'm remember open up to anything it all is it's just about they're posturing in the next year, I think, mm-hmm. is the bottom line. I mean, me. I, th- I don't think that's a bad way to put it because when I was and – you, and, you, and, and I was thinking about this last week after we did our show, and the big thing that I was thinking about was if they were fully healthy, I was more coming around to the idea of going for it because not only is it the Florida Panthers and they never make the playoffs and you have to maximize what you have, but also you can't let a season like this go to waste. This is pre-Eckblad injury. And how important it is – you know, to maximize the good feeling you have, right? Because this, this fan base just yeah. wants something to hang on to. And they're getting it this year. I mean, now it's a bit of a Pyrrhic victory, but they're getting it. And that was my thought. And I was coming around to the idea, okay, let's see what you're willing to do. And this draft is a lottery more so than ever because of the scouting. But now, I don't think you can do that. Because why were you going to go all in unless the right deal comes around? Because you're going to play Carolina or Tampa in the first round. And without Ekblad, that's a really tough task. And I'm not saying that this team couldn't do it because the one thing I do know about them is they are resilient as hell. I don't know how they played kind of as well as they did after Ekblad got hurt in the way they did for half that game. They didn't give up the great chances, and they found a way to gut it out. That was a really dead impressive. Dead cat bounce. Yeah. I mean, it I was— I mean, like, I'm, and I'm not saying that they're dead. I'm just saying that, like, there's—it's I, I, totally understandable for me. It's kind of like— there's an old saying that like when you have the flu or where you're feeling under the weather, you play a little better. And, you know, it's kind of just... And Michael Jordan's flu game, air quotes. Yeah, I mean, but we, we talk, you know, we talk about how last year they rallied around, you know, the Prius and they rallied around the Achari back-to-back hat tricks and things like that. Like, there are things, there are little tiny uh, placebo effect type stuff that in short little bursts can get people to a team to rally around focus and push a little more than they would without that. And, you know, obviously it's not something to build a coaching or team philosophy around. It's just, you know, it just is what it is. Stuff is is fair enough. I can, I can kind of see how, how that kind of, it works in that way. Another one is Marty St. Louis, the Marty St. Louis, um, playoff run with with the rangers the win it for ray bork stuff you know things like that you know i I can i can see that but i don't know how long that's gonna last and the other thing that's interesting about yeah i mean i think it was it's a couple games you know it's not gonna be weak and and the one and i don't want to say it worries me but the schedule has still four against carolina left and four against tampa left that's what i'm saying about teams catching up i mean you drop all those eight games and during and those eight games, so to speak, for those teams that are catching up against you are wins against other teams. I mean, it could it could happen. That's sixteen it is points. The, That's a sixteen-point swing. I it mean, is the Panthers, and, and it that does, could and it realistically does be, you know, eight or ten points one way. Could be. But now I have to ask the question of what do what do you do? I was going to write about this, and I might and I may still do that. But to me. It is such a tough question because I can't remember the last time I've seen a team. I mean, it happened to Tampa a little bit, but they're too deep. But they're too deep for it to really matter. I haven't seen a team lose a like in the Panthers' case. He's the second most important player on the team next to Barkov. So like lose a player like that in that fashion while they're having such a good season to the point where you go from going all into you have to make a move, but what kind of moves do you make? So I don't. 
I mean, maybe it's just as simple as picking up a guy like Nick Holden on waivers. It's possible. And, and, and getting, you know, maybe trying to get a few more goals and, and just, I, I mean. I will ask some questions. I, I'd be open to trading to Chris Dreger. I mean, at this point, I'm not, again, I'm not packing it in, but if you're thinking about, okay, I need assets for next to trade to get guys better for next year. Uh, the Predators are in the playoff picture, so some of those, you know, an Ellis or an Ekholm type defenseman from them, it might not be possible. Um, yeah. What else do you find? Like, I mean, if you're if you're sp- if you're going to be spending a first and like even if you could get Ekholm, like, is it better to pay the higher price now on the more limited defensive market, or wait until the off season and add the defenseman then? where you can maybe get a better defenseman or somebody that fits your age profile a little better or is a little cheaper or something like that. Um, Because is it going to make a difference this year? How much of a difference do you think it's going to make? Can you make a similar size difference for cheaper and, and still keep assets for next year? Can you get it in some way that can be of value next year? I mean, I don't know if I think I'm out of the Taylor Hall sweepstakes. Yeah, well, here's I mean, the thing. depending how cheap it is, I mean, if oh, it, I mean gets- it might be very cheap because I want to do talk about Buffalo later. But I want to yeah. bring up a couple defensemen that that people were bringing up in terms of rentals because that's the one thing that that came to my head uh, when I was reading some trade stuff before uh, just before and after the Ekblad injury. Um, yeah, you mentioned Nashville; they're getting really good now or good enough to be in the playoff mix, and now. The idea that they were going to start tearing it down, probably not feasible. Um, that's a that's a worrisome thing right now. I, I don't, I mean, like yeah, that kind of changes I'm the market. I'm not sure if that's, as much as Ekholm and Ellis, and, and I really like those defensemen, I'm not sure that I'm set on those being the defense, like not being able to find younger more so let me talk about some rentals. trending me, upwards defense let me talk about some rentals here for a second one of the names that's being mentioned a ton is david savard because columbus is falling out and by the time they leave the state of florida they could be toast you know they play tampa and then they play the panthers um and savard obviously Honestly, you all know the connections to, I'm, to I'm a little over the taking from the columbus pool and pond i mean what have they accomplished that we keep going back i mean i get it it's a sense of comfortability for zito and and all that stuff but i mean the last defensive we got q is maybe gonna start playing now from possibly you know, and that's a defenseman that go i i said when we got new Devar, i i would have taken new Devar or savard but i like new Devar better so I, I don't know why I want to keep going back to that pool. It was kind of like when Talon kept drafting these American, you know, coming from the USHL and then going to college defensemen, and it wasn't working out. I was like, oh, can we try something else here? Yeah, um, no, that's fair enough. And, and I think I, I saw Savard linked with Colorado and Tampa. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, that's I mean, the market. I mean, if if he's cheap enough, if it's – I'd have to see – I'm like, I'm not against it, but if it's like, all right, we can pay this to get Savard, we'll get in some goals, and then we'll target these people in the offseason, and we'll use these extra assets to get people in the offseason, yeah, I can get behind that. But, you know, I'm not – I'm not like if Savard's like the end, like, all right, we get Savard, and then we're set on D – and then next year we'll, you know, we'll just go for like a center. We'll just go for a winger in the off season and, and call it a day. I'm, I'm not into that. So I'll, the other name that I saw that might be a rental kind of move, possible, was Alex Edler. Now he's 34. He's older. He's got a no move. So I don't know if he'd waive his no move to go to I Florida. Mean, but I, he's a left shot. What's he do? Like who? What's What's he gonna? What's he doing that you don't already have? And that you can't get from the inside. I mean, it's an open question. I'm bringing up names. Yeah, it's not that I mean, I that, that's my it. answer. And and like I would, I like Alex Edler enough. I mean, I have him on one of my fantasy teams, and he's getting enough hits and blocks and that kind of stuff, and he's not too bad. But you know, it's the age. It's his. He's trending downwards. He's going to get hurt himself. He's going to not be able to play as many minutes as he used to do. 
um, and how much can you rely on him? How much is he going to be giving you that, um, you know, they don't already have? I mean, I think we're definitely going to see Juleson more, and, and I'm really excited about that. I would be playing Juleson a, uh, I can't say the word, because, it, yeah, I mean, like, it, I, I, I can't I can't think of a word for how many minutes I'd be giving to Juleson right now, because, frankly, other than Ekblad and Uyghur, he looked like the best defenseman relative to his time on ice and usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, well, unfortunately, this injury, whatever he suffered, is much window. longer term than yeah, we thought. Yeah, he's in a conditioning stint, but uh, the report from his conditioning stint was, you know, a minus or something like that. You know, like it was pretty good. There really are good. some other defensemen that are that are apparent that might be available. We had Victor Mete rumors in the past. Vince Dahl yeah, is I hurt mean, right I now. Can, like I would bring in those guys. Yeah, like if I said it back in the beginning of the season too, I'd be looking to bring in those guys, and then because I think that they would be valuable next year and the year after that, and they're trending up. And if I think that they would still be movable, they'd definitely be more movable than. Machine got to spare if it doesn't work out. Or, Definitely. You know. um, so I also want to go into a couple of other other players. I mean, because right now it's hard to see like who who's really available because there aren't many sellers. Like I don't think Detroit would be in the business of trading Troy Stetcher at this point, but that's a guy. I mean, he's a right shot, so he's I, not. I think right that side. that was actually the name I was going to bring up as if you can get Troy Stetcher. I've really liked him when I've watched him play, and of course the Panthers are about to play the Red Wings again. So if I you mean, can get I Troy know, Stetcher for something, I would do that. I know, I know exactly what I think Detroit would ask. I think they would ask for Colin Chanock or a prospect, or you know, like a Ludwig or something like that. And I, I wouldn't think, be, I wouldn't be opposed to doing that. N- no, I mean, I mean, it's tough to make. No, that call. I wouldn't because I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that because I. Like as much as I think that they're decent enough defensemen, I they could also be nothing. And uh, they, you know, Troy Stetcher would actually be a cost-effective replacement and would stop them from getting somebody much, much. One point seven million dollars for the for this year and next year, very easy to use. And it, again, there's not much risk. I yeah, think. and I would like be that. fine. Uh, and I would use him next year. And. Yeah. You know, I, so, I think that's I think that's the kind it, of move that I'd be interested in, or even a, yeah. But I mean, again, is to me as much as like I'm fine trading Kalyanchuk or Ludwig or Tippett or Denisenko or Haponiemi or Noel or you know Alivi or all the names, right? As much as I'm okay with trading them, it's about is it is that the right person to trade him for, or is there a pe- better package or person out there to get? And, and we still talk about the offseason big move for a defenseman that we still yeah. think is going to come. And that's what I would I would be I, right. I still but think I mean, about that a lot. Again, we're talking a lot about defensemen, but uh they have a lot of depth they ha- like they have the bodies to make through make it through this Ekblad thing. At forward, full health, I don't even know if they have the bodies to make it in the playoffs. So there there's a there's like they need to add scoring winger in the offseason. Definitely. 100%. Hope that Lundell comes in and catches the league by fire. Or they still have to add another center, too, because Quinville doesn't seem to like Lestrain in, uh, and, and that hasn't been good for his confidence, and his play you know, has also gone down, too. Mm-hmm. And so there's... There's that. I mean, and what if you don't? What if Wenberg's too pricey? What if, you know, you set Wenberg, Duclair, and Verhage have to be resigned? Well, Verhage does not. not. What's Verhage? He was was a two year contract. Uh, It's going to be expensive, but that's good. Um, That's that's another question for another year. But, like, yeah, like, you know, what are Duclair and wenberg gonna cost you're probably gonna at least want to resign one if not both of those and if you don't then you have to replace them and Mm -hmm. you know you can't as as o'brien you know one of the other matt's co-hosts uh keeps saying is you can't keep adding five to six people from free agency every year because that's not the pool to be adding from that's not you know how many times has that worked out for teams? And, and you know, it's just so obvious. Well, consider that, that Anton Strollman and Brett Connolly have both ended up on the taxi squad this season. 
I mean, it. I, I was up. And they were some of the better signings. Those were some of the better. You're right. Better Panthers free agent signings. I mean, look at what happened to Mike Hoffman. I mean, he's now getting healthy scratched in St. Louis because the Blues realized what we realized last year. He can do one thing, and that's shoot the puck on a power play. He can't do anything else. So, we told you. We warned you. Um, But, so, it's such an interesting dynamic. I'm, I'm trying to think about other, like, players you could go out and maybe acquire. Like, I've been thinking about... I mean, I think you have to find your Sam Girard, and I think that's what they have to do. Yeah, they have to go out so and find somebody that... I mean, I, it's so easy to say this from my pers- position and perspective. It's hard to do, but it's easier than people think because NHL GMs are, by nature, too risk-adverse, and you're not going to find these types of players in a trade and do all stuff without taking on risk, without, uh, you know, being willing to I have an idea of something that just came to my head. I mean, it's not something that you might want to do this year, but we know that the Ottawa Senators, our friends in Ottawa, who have Eric and Branson and Josh Brown for reasons, uh, they haven't played Eric Branstrom the way they should be. Well, I would be on the I, – I would be on the phone – I would have been on the phone with them for months by now. But, yeah, like, I mean – that's what you got to do because it's that type of skill set, you know, that Gerard has. Gerard was a little more physical and a little more solid and, and thicker legs and stuff at this point in his career. Um, but I don't think that necessarily stops. Or, you know, like Toronto needs a goalie. What defenseman is Toronto willing to part with to get Chris Dreger? Because – Hutchinson and Campbell and you know like are they like is Justin Hall is is it Timothy Liljegren is it like who what is there a defenseman that the Leafs would well, be willing to get that you? when when Uyghur because was they trade when Uyghur was in trade rumors they weren't going to trade I think it was it was Dermot and Janssen was the ask and they didn't get that like would I be interested in somebody like Liljegren or honestly, Rasmus Sandin, because the way that Drieger is playing, you should ask for a little more. Um, it would be an interesting call because I don't think Drieger's been so good that you couldn't find his performance elsewhere. And as we have said multiple times in the playoffs, Sergei Bobrovsky has to be the guy, and he has been much, much, much better during this recent. Yeah. What about Phil? What about Philip Crawl? I mean, like there, he's twenty. You need a higher level prospect than that, I would think. I mean, he's not. I. I I think he I mean but at the end of the day if I for Chris Dreger I'd take Philip Crawl cuz Chris Dreger is somebody who likely is walking at the end of the year to me. I free. think Chris Dreger is very much a Seattle Kraken next year. Right, exactly. So I mean if I'm getting nothing for him, Philip Crawl a defenseman who I mean if we see how he's he's at the Noah Juleson level of of the prospects and to me that's better than nothing. Especially with how no Jolson's played. So how, we have less, little less than two weeks until the trade deadline. I, I want to see how they play. We do not, we do not know yet. You're going to listen to this on on Thursday, obviously, but we do not yet know how they're going to play. Um, before we're recording this against the Red Wings, um, but I want we to can see guess. how they play. We can I guess mean, how they're going to play. Like, um, and and again, it's just about being. It's not a, like I think the team's going to be fine. Like, they're going to be fine for the regular season and playoffs and stuff. They're going to do – I'm sure they'll do a nice enough job. And and whatever they do at the trade deadline, I don't think it's going to move the needle either way. Well, I don't think it can. Maybe it'll show the that needle. they tried a little more. Maybe it'll show, maybe it'll give the team a little more belief in themselves or, you know, I, I, think I, I don't know. I think they're going to do something. I think they're going to trade. I think they're going to get a defenseman and a forward. I don't exactly know who they are. I, think I mean, I think it's going to be, do. I mean, yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be like Riley Nash and Savard are going to come in and they're going to give it an honest shot and that'll be fine. Like, to me, it's all about what are, what, what, what eggs and baskets and all that stuff for next year? Uh, because, <laughs> I mean, as much as I'm still enjoying watching the season, it, that's what it's about now. Because you only get so many kicks at the can. 
you and I have definitely, I definitely agree with you on that, especially as, as the Ekblad injury just kind of reminds you that the amount of times that you're good, unless you're like the Tampa Bay Lightning, is limited. And especially for this team, and I've been coming around to that mindset more and more as we go on, that this team needs to make everything count when they're in the playoffs. But you can't really do that now without Ekblad. So no matter who you acquire, you can't replace him. And so you're not the best version of yourself this year. And to me, that means get I mean, get in and you're going to play Carolina or Tampa in all likelihood. you got to give them a run for their money. If you beat one of them, great. Then you've done, you know, an amazing thing, but you have not mortgaged next year. Um, and as, you're, as you say, no matter what, I still think, as I said, they keep Barkoff and Huberto, but whatever happens after this season, they have to pay them next year. And that is going to change the way that this team is structured in a very dynamic perspective from the cap and in many other ways. That's very interesting. I do want to also mention, because Boston College season is over before we switch to the Flyers, um, there's a lot of talk now about what they're going to do with Spencer Knight. It's it's now draft plus two. Um, Send him back. Send him back. I don't want him in the – as much as I I think that it's – it because Drieger won't be back next season, he's not going to be ready to be an NHL backup. I honestly think it's okay yeah, no, if he's no, no, back look. to BC. I mean, first of all, he has to go to the AHL before he's not going. Like, oh, of course, I, that's yes. Look at obvious. They're for a goalie who's done so well and has so much pedigree and poise and everything. His head is now being done in by Philadelphia rushing him and then getting you know and all and then not having a team for him and and the coaches for him and all that stuff. So. You know, we don't, you don't want to get too far ahead with Spencer Knight because you, can no, you can't go backwards with a goalie. It's very hard, and it messes up their mental health, and you never know if they're going to come out of it. That, that right. article about uh, Spencer Knight, uh, Spencer Knight, I'm sorry, uh, Carter Hart, I apologize, was a total mess, just a complete disaster, and... I think the one thing I'll say about the Panthers' goaltending this season is you can see how it has improved as time has gone on. Like, they have identified things with the goalies, and it's worked. You know, it's Drieger, and it's happened with Bobrovsky. I'm sure uh, that Roberto Luongo is talking with Spencer Knight all the time and Devin Levi all the time about what they think. And I think that the one thing about having the goalie department of excellence, as much as we made fun of it, um, they are very much on top of what's going on. And well, I, think I that... mean, from from the outside perspective, there's signs of improvement. Yes, that that's good. My, you know, for night, the biggest reason is I don't need to rush him. There, you know, you'll have somebody. You can get somebody to do the AHL next year. You know, whether you're finding, you know, you're taking a, a flyer on a goalie to, to be your next Dreger or whatever. Um, you He's can got find Sam somebody... Montenbeau still. Yeah, but I mean, he might be your backup next year. Could uh, be, and or you know, you have to go out and get a new backup, and Montembeau's your guy in the AHL. That's fine, all fine too. Uh, but you know, there's no need for Spencer Knight to come out. And if you look at his last two games, they were bad games for him. That show that he's not above the NCAA level by any means. And a prospect was never hurt by being left in a league that they're not too good for for one year. It, I, I am okay with, with him staying one more year at BC. It's not like this year was a full or a good NCA year. No. So, uh, again, you, it's not, you can say that it wasn't a full year, it wasn't a good year. It's like he's going to go to college for two and some years. You, can st- you don't have to worry about losing him to UFA. I don't think there's any worry about Spencer Knight not signing a contract. I think when you put that contract with him after next season, after his junior year – He's going to sign it. It's going to be the same contract he would have got this year. He's going to probably be allowed to burn off the beginning of that contract in the AHL or something or, you know, to appease him for the fact that he might have to do a little more waiting behind Bobrovsky than he wants to or whatever, and they'll take it from there. Or he might even be challenged by Devin Levy more than he wants to, and that could go a whole different way. But there's, from the Panthers' perspective, zero rush. Zero rush, and same thing with uh, the Canadian Levy. I mean, there's just nothing, nothing to do but just wait and see. Um, keep drafting. They goal- are afforded they have for whatever you think about Sergei Bobrovsky, and people have varied opinions on him. 
The one thing you can say about him is it is not urgent. They don't have a goalie crisis at the NHL level right now. They can afford to wait because Bobrovsky has picked up his play. And you can, as they found with Chris Drieger, by happy accident, because that's what it was, you can find a goalie that ends up getting hot for you and finds that right form. We've seen it with plenty of backup goalies in the league. It's more than possible to do it. So, as I say, I agree with you. I think that they should wait another year. Um, Because also, the other thing about next year is, it's actually their first year with the Charlotte Checkers, because it wasn't this year, because they're not playing. So how much of that extra stuff are you going to have to work through in that first year of an AHL affiliation that may end up affecting Spencer Knight in the wrong way? You can't screw up his development, right? You need to be patient with it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just from my perspective, the NC, he just w- hasn't shown that he's above that level enough. Like for a goalie, uh, for a goalie or a defenseman to to move up a level, to me they have to really show that it would be a waste of their time in that league one more year, and I don't see that whatsoever. That's fair enough, and I, I there could be varying opinions on that, but I I, I mean like I think at you. nights he does and stuff, but I mean, you know, third period collapse. You know, then I was watching a little of, of that game, and it's not that it's not that he was. It's, it's not that he's obviously bad. It's just that sometimes you just huh. like for goalies, you need to be absolutely sure because if you're not, Carter Hart. Uh, should we talk about the not Flyers even now? Carter Hart? Carter Hart is one of the better cases you get. <laughs> you know? Can we talk about the? Can we talk? Should we talk about the Flyers now? Because I think we kind of need to uh, as we yeah. start to. Yeah. This, um, this 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 team is a mess, an absolute mess. And we talked about it last week. Like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? I mean, little did I know that, you know, the entire timeline was very mad when they came back and beat the Sabres. But to me, it was that Carter Hart story. Whatever happened to him, he's in his own head. And it's horrible to say it because he's so talented, right? And I picked him to win the Vezina this year. I am very sorry. Um, He needs to just find a way to get a, to get away and to yeah. reset his I, head. I, for me, this is what I'll say. This is very this was my fear of Comcast taking over the team and it uh you know and the changes from Hexall to now is that they're trying to do everything. They're trying to appease everybody. They don't have they're I can't believe that that story on Carter Hart came out. I don't understand why they're putting a magnifying glass on Carter Hart's mental health. I mean, I mean now they now they're not even dressing him as a backup because they have to do the they have to take him out, get him and to work on his game and then they're going to put him back in. So they have Lyon as the backup right now. And and that was kind of necessitated by that article because it's like, okay, this article came out. It says a lot of bad things about everybody in this situation, and we have to do something to show that uh, we're obviously worried. We're obviously working to make this better and to make, you know, to get him to be better on ice. And that this is how they responded. And it's kind of implement, it's kind of. It, emblematic yeah i mean I'm, I'm trying to connect this to the ghost waiver situation but i mean ghost fair has maybe been one of the better top well, three didn't they top also scratch travis connect me this year at one point yeah i mean there's just a lot of they're not understanding of what they need to do there's no sense of direction there's no sense of focus they, they're just trying to serve all masters, and it, they have to pick horses. They have to pick their horses. They have to say, okay, this is the type of team we want to be. These are the guys. These are the prospects. These are the coaches. These are the voices that we're going to listen to, and we're going to all drive this one way because this is the way we need to go to turn the ship around. And if you can't get that, or until you get that, it's going to be the same thing where they're going to get losses unless they play the Bru- uh, the not the Bruins, the Sabers. <laughs> Sabers. Yeah, they're gonna, they lose to the Bruins. Uh, they do lose to the Bruins. Um, to me, as I say, like we talked about it last week, they 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 are trying to have their cake and eat it too. And right now, the problem is in that division. 
I mean, the Islanders are, are slumping a little bit because they don't have Andrews Lee, but yeah. the Penguins got hot. I mean, and that's they, a big problem. They've the, thrown the how many goose eggs on the ice and haven't done anything? That does not cut it in Philadelphia. Like, the internal pressure in that organization, the pressure from the fans, I mean, there is, it needs to be better. And the fact that they tried not to fire any coaches, tried not to make any real changes or do anything like that, um, you know, now they're waving ghosts to to try to show that they're doing something, you know, Uh, they're they're scrambling around and when they do try to show accountability, like you said, with the connect knee and everything, they do it in the wrong places. Uh, because I, I don't know if they have the right people in the right chairs for the right jobs and thinking about the right things. Uh, I know it's going to be hard, but at some point you have to peel the bandaid off and divest yourself from some of these people. Yes. They just hired AV, but if he's not the coach, that's going to get you there. You have to make moves. Same with Tarion and Yo and and the all those veteran coaches that they assembled on the bench. They just got spanked by the coach that they kicked off the bench to make room for all these old farts. That you know, like they have to come to grips with that and see and pick a corner how they want to go. Um, and you know, same with the players. Maybe it's time to sit down with Claude Giroux and just be like, listen, man, I. I can't let you waste your career here. We're going to be turning it around. It's going to be, it's going to take a while. Where do you want to go? Say, you know, and move, or at least move Voracek and move, you know, some pieces here and reset or what, or are they going to try to do one more kick at the can and then tell Drew in the off season, you know, listen, dude, we, we gave you a, a trade or two at the deadline. We did everything we could. We're firing AV. We're bringing in a new coach. He's going to have to, you know, cut his teeth with younger players in the league and and all of that. They can keep pro overall. Well, if, and- if you fire Island Vino, you have to figure out a way to get another coach in that is younger. Oh, you I went mean, the vet coach route. Yeah, I mean, at this point, if the Rangers don't fire Quinn and hire Knobloch, he's going to be getting an NHL job in the offseason for Apparently, sure. Apparently, because the Rangers can look really good when he's coaching for some reason. Yeah, well, maybe that's, that's the substitute that's, teacher that's, effect. That's really all it takes in the NHL is to uh, apparently get a job is to be a coach of another team for a little bit and do well for a little bit and show you can do the job. And then you're one of a short list of people and you're bound to get a job. So I think he's put himself there for sure. It's that's it's beyond amusing how that happened with, with Knobloch and how much. Right. But I, mean, I don't know if it's better, I, but I it's don't, just funny. I mean, you bring in AV, it was very you bring in AV, you bring in Fletcher. It's very clear what the expectations was. It was win now, and if you don't, you're gone. And especially with AV. Um, and so for two years, I mean, he has a three-year shelf life. That's not that's it's not that out of you know the realm of it's not that absurd to fire him. Fletcher, uh, I mean, I think maybe he gets this one more offseason or two, but I mean. If he's not getting it done, he's not getting it done. Philadelphia has been in a drought for too long. You know, you can't be the Ballard year Leafs. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't have those ten plus years of just nothing. And they've they're hitting ten years of nothing, and they got their start best run them. was last year, and then before that was like twenty twelve. Right, 2012. Okay, yeah, 2012 was they beat the Penguins, lost to the Bruins, and then they would alternate, miss make, miss make, miss make, but they wouldn't win a series. Like last year was the first time they won a series, you know. Yeah. And and I and I guess that's extenuating circumstances because I think right. the bubble, other than if you're the Lightning, were extenuating circumstances. So right, so very I, very tricky. And the the one thing you have to ask, like if you're in the in the Flyers' position, is like, can we? be that you know make that jump of a team like you have to think about the metro division the 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 actual metro division you know there's a lot that we can say about that but you know we also have to think like are the flyers going to be able to compete at that high level going forward no no, i I, that that is a question that only florida panther type franchises have to ask themselves Ah, okay i mean i'm serious this is the philadelphia flyers they have to they have Mm -hmm. to and period or the place will burn the 
the f down. Well, like, I think it was burning like, down. Did you see Twitter? I mean, it was right. It was I mean, like down. they, the expectations are that they are winning playoff series every year. Period. End of story. And if they are not, their ticket sales will drop. Their sponsorships will drop. There will be immense pressure from Comcast because Comcast throws a ton of money behind them. Comcast throws a ton of like they do a lot of stuff in the Flyers' names and the Flyers' brand. And if that is not on point for whatever reason, uh, they react heavily. I mean, it's Comcast. They and have I, a minus seventeen goal differential this year. I yeah, know a lot of that has to do with the huge range so, of losses. Like, but... is, it's not a question of can they compete. It's how do they compete? Because if the if you can't you can't tell Comcast you can't compete when the, when you point to the Islanders' record. You can't. When you look at the New York Rangers, who even in a rebuild are making the playoffs, possibly two years in a row, and you can't you can't tell Comcast that you know that you that you're that you don't know if, even if you try your hardest, you can't compete. Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> Like you got to do more than just compete, and you got to do more than just try your hardest. Yeah, it is a. Uh... That, and that's what that's what. Florida hopes to get to one day, and that's where you started to see that expectation of where, you know, it's not just good enough for the Panthers to make the playoffs now. Like, it's the expectations have been raised where they can't sit on their, they can't rest on their laurels and just glide into the playoffs and get smacked around and lose in five games or six games without must, must muster. And that's like the expectations have been raised. And they're not. They should not go back down. Uh, and so, you know, Philadelphia is a much, much more higher bar and more hyper. Uh, well, hyperactive, intense, yeah. of course, a very but, intense market, as we all know. Let's, let's, you know, we can talk about why Florida should, should or should not get goes to spare. I mean, there's reasons. The biggest thing, though, is. I don't really want to talk about it from a Florida perspective, but just if from a Florida perspective, you have to pretend like he was born in Texas or something. Like you can't. Yeah. Like, would you do this if he was a Canadian or a Swede or something? Because no, there's a lot of money for two years after this uh, tied to him that you have to deal with, and he's not. You're going to be one of the only people willing to take him, and once he gets moved, now he's not going to get moved till till that till his contract's over. So. I, I am 100% opposed to him taking him on waivers. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm opposed. Yeah. It would have to be, to me, I would maybe do it if I can move Connolly or Strawman. That would be the only way. And I don't think they're going to be able to move right. them right now. Right. I mean, like, yeah, like, it's just, then you're really threading a needle to take on, you know, I don't know. But from a Flyers perspective, you have okay, is this just a move to do something? Is this clearing the table for a bigger move? Whether it's clearing the deck for a little retool, whether it's trying to give Giroux some more support to go for it because he's not having a bad year, um, you know, relative to the stuff falling around him. You know, same with JVR. He's not having a bad year. Uh, You know, it's not impossible that if, they make the right trade or they add in the right pieces that they can win a playoff series or two this year, which would do a lot to alleviate the pressure on this organization. So what are they willing to do? I mean, they were big in on Ekholm. I think if he would go somewhere, the Panthers would have to outbid the Flyers for Ekholm and outbid some other teams for him. But I think the Flyers are one of the two front runners for him. The fit just makes a whole lot of sense, and they have the number of pieces, especially if we're talking a bidding war. They have the amount of pieces that they can just keep raising the price, raising the you know eventually the other team's gonna have to duck out because they don't have four or five B level prospects they can keep throwing in. Um, yeah, and, and so if they really want a player, they can get them, and that that's helpful. But do you? But if you're the Flyers, like, is this even? I mean, I know you, what you just talked about, but is this even the season that? even pull off an Ekholm trade if it could even happen now because Nashville's good. No, I mean, like I said, the only reason is to appease Claude Giroux. And to me, I think what Flyers need to do is sit down with Claude Giroux, have a frank conversation 
just like Pittsburgh needs to do with Crosby and Malkin and get their realistic and their honest feelings of, hey, this is what Comcast as an ownership wants to do, so this is what's probably going to happen and how we're going to be moving forward. Do you want to be involved with that? Do you want us to move you on from here? Where would you like how you know? Because Giroud deserves as much respect as Gagne gets, as much respect as a lot of as Johnny Leclerc gets from from Flyers fans. Um, he, if he wants to be to finish, if he doesn't want to get traded, I wouldn't trade him. I mean. You know, but you you have to find a use for him because, and you he might not get resigned after the contract, and he might have to be okay with that. Um, but you know, we'll see. Voracek to me is gone. I mean, but I wouldn't do anything big this year. I would really just play a bunch of guys and spend all this year picking your horses. Who you're going to trade? Who you're not going to trade? Which prospects matter? Is Morgan Frost an actual top end prospect to you or not? Is it somebody that you're going to be playing as a center or a wing? You know, you have to figure all this stuff out. It, it, it's hard. Like, as I joked last week, you know, it's hard to be in the messy middle, and the Flyers are really in the messy middle. Like, they don't really know what they are. Like, they're having a bit of an identity crisis. And it is unlike, yeah. you know, teams like the Panthers who were stuck between are we actually a playoff team and are we a lottery team? It's the Flyers are, what are we doing? Are we rebuilding? Are we retooling? Are we going for it? Can we go for it? That's the identity crisis you don't want to be in. It's kind of like what happened to Nashville in some ways. Like, they got too good to actually do what they need to do, which is rebuild. Uh, I do want to get a couple things before we, uh, before we wrap this up, because this show's getting long. Um, I do want to say there's a, there's a cool little story developing in the league right now with uh, jerseys. I don't know if you've noticed this, but jerseys now are having, like, the umlauts and the proper accents on people's names. Which... Yeah, we're going to need uh, keyboards to better... Uh, yes, we will, Realize but this. also, for me, is, uh, I, I don't know why this didn't start before. I'm a soccer fan. This is a huge deal in soccer, and to me as a broadcaster and somebody who has an incomprehensible last name, um, it is very important that pronunciations are correct. Ugly, it, the ugly American stereotype rings true here. Uh, it's Clark kind of Griswold like the, something something. It's Yeah, it's kind of the, it's the same reason we're not on the metric system yet. It's just because we're... We do not want to learn something new. We're fine with our stupidness, and uh, that's just the way it is. So I'm seeing it now, and it also it, it kind of makes me happy because then it means I can pronounce the names correctly because I would still pronounce the names right. correctly. I mean, it's what? it's Americans are really, really poor at speaking other languages, pronouncing other names from other languages, you know, understanding, respecting, you know, having knowledge of, or you you know you you know, other cultures and stuff like that. It's, I mean, it's probably true of a, a lot, lot of other cultures. cultures, but... The French! Oh, excuse me, I, did I just say that? Um, can I mention one other thing before we start to wrap this up, which is ESPN, um, Greg Wachinski compiled the rankings of players, um, top 10 by position, you have top 10 wingers, which they did, they're doing top 10 defensemen, it was just released the day we were recording this, um... And I wanted to talk about this. They're asking NHL players, 10 active players, 7 skaters, 3 goalies, and 10 in team ops. And they were ranking them. Um, I, uh, well, I'm going to spoil them here. Oh, well. Um, what it, and we talked about this previously because Tommy was not happy with the wingers because Jonathan Huberto wasn't on it, which was bad. Um, and the rankings, the, the 1 and 2 are correct. It's Kale McCarr is 2 and Victor Hedman is 1. I don't think you could put it any other way. Um, some other interesting names. Um, uh, Miro Haskinen was uh, fifth behind Petrangelo in fourth and Yossi in third. Um, yeah, those are some legacy picks right there. I, I, I Listen, I am a huge – you are obviously a huge Miro Haskinen fan, and I am a huge Miro Haskinen fan. I mean, the stars are not good right now, but every time you watch – and I know Haskinen had that one bad play that led River Hagee shorthand and goal, but like when you watch him play, you go, that kind of feels like the future of NHL defensemen, you know? Sure hope so. I I mean yeah I mean you can you can nitpick his game you can nitpick Kale McCarr's game but when you're talking about just the future of that of that position in the league you go those are the two right it it just it is it is it is a pleasure to watch Haskin and play eight times when I normally would you know watching the Panthers religiously and then everybody else casually like that's the the time I get to watch 
he's going to play. It's great. It's it's such a privilege. He he is absolutely fantastic. I wish he was higher. Uh, Seth Jones is sixth. Seems a bit wrong considering he's having a horrifically bad year. I mean, all the metrics will say that he is having a terrible season. Uh, I don't know what's happened to him. Maybe it's just the uh, the the torts play to the messy middle. You know, back your way into the playoffs thing happening with him. The and if NHL defenseman analysis falls to two things: past performance and tools. Seth Jones has both. This is correct. I, you're absolutely right, and I don't like it because I don't think he is the sixth best defenseman in the league. I don't think he's I, the 16th best defenseman in the league I, this year. No, I mean, I think he's, I think he's a top sixty defenseman who's playing like a top hundred and twenty defenseman right now. But yeah, that's his season. Now, what happens next year? What happens if John Tortorella finally leaves and they get a better coach? We'll find out. Yeah. But he he is not the sixth best defenseman in the league. Jacob Slavin making it over Dougie Hamilton is fascinating. To I me, would agree there though. You he is. A great player. I mean, the, the thing Slavin have... does on the ice leads to success. <laughs> Not to just make that joke, but well, I mean, it is. Um, it it, it kind of listen. He's great. I love. Obviously, you know, when we yeah. talk about model franchises and evaluating defense, I, the I model think franchise when, is when Carolina. It comes to top ten list. It's the the offensive D that miss out will always look more egregious than the defensive or the two way D that make the list. That that would be my opinion. That's a that's a fair assessment. But, I like I that. Mean, if I had to, I mean, if if I had to add a defenseman to my core, yes, I would love to add Dougie Hamilton to my decor. But if I'm looking for defensemen to build around, I would more gravitate to a Jacob Slobin. Because first. once you get, because I think it's like you build your team around Aaron Ekblad types, but it's a Slavin type that puts you over the top is basically, I think, how you would react to it. Does that make sense? I mean, well, no. I mean, to be honest, I think, the like, if you look at a, what a decor should be, I mean, a decor should be, like, McCarr, Gerard, and Taves are your top three defensemen. That's the quality, you know? Like, that's that's the quality of it. You so look everybody at all the, copy the abs. Yeah. So, I mean, like, is Ekblad a number one? I mean, this year he was playing it like it. Is he most years? He's probably number two. Is there anything wrong with that? No, but they need somebody at least Ekblad quality, of Ekblad quality. Plus they need someone, plus they have Uyghur, who's probably a three, and they need Uyghur to keep playing at this level, and that's how they build a decor. More than ever now. Um, John Carlson was eighth. Again, that's that. a... That's a past performance type thing. Shea Theodore is nice. I'm okay with that. I'm not a big Shea Theodore fan. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, the Vegas Knight system is much like the Trot system in that it will always make centers and defensemen look better than they are because it is a very easy system on them for whatever reason. Uh, the Islanders, I don't know why Trotz doesn't everything, but for the Knights, it's because they don't have any centers. Um, and as an expansion team, they had a lot of just different parts and stuff, and they had really good wingers, so it was easy to have the wingers drop down lower and play, you know, more vital roles. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know. Like, there's just something about, like, Shea Theodore, I really like. Um, and I think he's. You know, one of the best defensemen in the league, sure. But I don't know if they'll top 10. Provorov was 10th. Again, that's another one where uh, 10th, yeah. I'd maybe go like 12th. I mean, yeah, he's right around there. Yeah, sure. I mean, but and, again, and I can number, and, but, but number 11 too, to me was a, was a not great decision. Number 11 would have been Brent Burns. And you speak about past performance. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's really past performance. Um, also... Yeah, Quinn Al Hughes. McGinnis on that list, too. Al McGinnis is on that. Yeah, because it's got a great slap shot. Um, he's not there. Um, the next up was uh, was Klingberg. I think Klingberg should have been higher. He's obviously great. I mean, like, he's fine. He's good. He'll be a Yandel in four years. But, you know, well, who like... Do you think, who was the biggest one that you would have had in the top ten that wasn't there? Jonas Brodin. 
that's a I mean, very, I very good answer. I don't understand why he's not top five in that list. Like, it just blows my mind. Like, defensemen, it's in the name. Like, even if they were called backs, it's about staying back. You know what I mean? It's about playing from the back, you know? like Apparently, he barely got votes, which is bad. Um, another yeah, one, like, Gerard didn't get much. Oh, yeah. didn't get much. Yeah, I thought um, this year Gerard would get a lot more. I mean, Gerard oh, could... I did see people advocating for him to win the Norris this year, which, And you know, that's that's more correct than not being in the on this list. That I, I, I definitely not agree saying, with that. Not saying that it's correct, but... But more I mean, there, is, there are levels of right. Um, another guy, I mean, I know you've been watching with the Flyers, but I think Adam Fox has played pretty well this season. He, he's really yeah. improved. Yeah, I would put him probably in that Proverov um, range. Obviously, Ekblad didn't make it. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, he, he would be on my list of top ten this, especially I, he, this year. If we're going this year, he would have been in the top yeah. ten. Or like, going, I, to me, I think overall maybe. But I, I think when you're doing these lists – you got to be thinking last year, this year, next year. And like, you know, other than that's, that, I, I, that's what, that's how kind of I would do it because like, how does they, how do they project going forward? Um, yeah, but you, you're right. There are some really good defensemen. I mean, the league right now has a lot of incredibly good defensemen. Like, yeah. It's, that's, and that's why I think that you can't, you can't ex- like if you're Florida and you really are trying to be like, all right, well, how do we make it through a year where we don't have, where it's not going to be such a bear to even compete in a playoff spot that we earned this year because of an injury? Um, you know, like how do we get there? It's by having not just one Aaron Eckblad, but having two Aaron. I mean, like look at Nashville, like the decor that they assembled and never made it because they had D and they had depth forwards and all this stuff and they had coaching but they never you know they were always just one piece short you have to have every piece and have multiple have it multiple well, steps again, look at the again tampa tampa i always i always mention it you know you have sergachev you have eric chernak you have guys like that you know so i think it's about time we uh, wrap up this bonus episode of the show recorded because everybody's gotten hurt sadly and uh again we wish the best aaron Eckblad. we wish the best to his recovery and we will see where this goes we are only 11 days away from the trade deadline as you listen to this so as we continue uh, keep watching keep listening and of course a good night and good night.